Friday, August 4th, which means tomorrow is our first Plus Mania. Boy, oh boy, I hope you're making plans to come out and join all of us. Uh, Plusers unite at Victory Hall starting around 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. It's on Rich Street in San Francisco. We're going to be watching a little Giants and A's baseball together and having a good time. I'm bringing the whole damn family, the, 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 the wife, the mom, the kids, meet all of us. Every Palouse we got is basically going to be there, except my sister, who's still in Florida, unless she turns around and surprises us. I'm guessing she's going to remain in Florida. But um, it is great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us for a Friday show here. It's good to have you back. And I have the announcement to make that if you are a fan of the Golden State Warriors or Trace Jackson Davis uh, or Indiana, because we talk an awful lot about it, I've got an interview, an exclusive interview. With Trace Jackson Davis dropping on YouTube today at 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern. I hope you plan on signing up, watching the premiere. Uh, I'd love a big audience for that. And uh, I I think you're going to be really interested in what he has to say about stepping into his career, stepping out of a huge career at Indiana and into the NBA, why he fell to the second round, some of the lies he was told by some teams along the draft process route. And it's a very interesting interview. And it's dropping today premiere at 3.30 West Coast time. I hope you plan on sticking around for that. Um, I I thought it would be a great night to have that uh, make its debut because we don't have any Giants baseball tonight. It's a dark day for the Giants. Uh, They are going to be crossing the Bay Bridge, obviously, tomorrow to go play the A's. After that, they got the Anaheim Angels on the schedule, which means Otani is lurking. So next week's going to be an awful lot of fun, and it's going to bring us even closer to football which, you know, historically has meant I'm excited. I'm very happy about that. But I tell you, last night was a shameful night for the sport of football. It really was. It just shows you how little care and attention to detail um, some people just have in their jobs and how, how literally just the TV business of football is all that really matters to the entire sport these days. I mean that to the NFL and college. Uh, Hall of Fame game last night. We had the Jets. We had the Browns. We had fourth stringers, you know, basically starting the game. Nobody out there really mattered. Um, but you you know that that's part of the deal now. The lights went out. The lights go out at what? The end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter? They, they've, that, that, that's embarrassing right there. And then the showers don't work for two NFL teams at the Hall of Fame? I mean, come on. It's the Hall of Fame. And, you know, someone says, well, you know, it's not necessarily owned by the NFL, so it's not their responsibility to upkeep it. No, you know what? Shut up. It is. It's their Hall of Fame. It's their Hall of Fame. You're gonna the NFL makes more money than the city of Canton, Ohio. I'm pretty sure of that, or makes more money than whatever they do to lease that field to a couple of small colleges or high school that play on it throughout the regular season. And this isn't the first time that that stadium has embarrassed itself and the NFL and all the Hall of Famers. Back in 2016, you had all those rubber pellets melting and the field was rendered unplayable. Like, get your shit together, multi-billion dollar industry. What do you you want me to tell you? I mean, do you want to hear that I could do a better job than you my first day on the job? Because I'll tell you that. And it's probably true. It's probably true. 
Guess whose lights aren't going out the night the NFL's in town? My lights. We're going to check those the day before. We're going to do a stress test on the plumbing of the stadium that's going to have a 100 grown men looking for a shower when the game is over. You had Cleveland Browns players washing up in cold tubs after the game. I mean, everybody survives. A little stinky is not going to kill anybody, but that's gross. And it's unbecoming and it's unprofessional. Kind of gross. Kind of gross. So do better, football. And we're going to get into how college football is not doing better or right for itself. A few will get richer. The rest will be left to fend for themselves. It's a total, you know, microcosm of society. You want a sociology class? Hold up. The state of modern college football, what motivates it now, and the disregard for all the small schools or less than schools left in the wake, it's the way people are getting shit on by corporate America these days. And trust me, I know a thing or two about that in just the last few months. Ah. Sip of the day came early on a Friday. It did. Sip of the day came early. Um, before we get uh, any further into the show, let me thank those who help bring this to you, starting with my man Ike right here. Got the cardboard cut out of the entire man. We got the graphic right here, and I tell you, he's got two brand-new premium delicious sandwiches that are being offered. Download that Ike's app. You should be signing up for reward points because you eat there so often anyways. Make it work for you. Make Ike work for you. The new sandwich arrow is something I plan on eating next week. Trying to drop some weight over here. Can't be eating Ike's two, three times a week. But when I want to splurge next week, I am going to try that new Wagyu pastrami sandwich. Again, you normally had me at pastrami. You put the W word in front of it. Now I'm really interested. He has uh, another sandwich he is billing as the greatest vegetarian sandwich of all time. I'll take his word for it. (laughs) meanwhile the damon bruce comes with steak onion rings and cheese on it i also suggest you try that too uh speaking of uh beef and cheese you certainly get that served to you by my friends at uncle boys a san francisco original in the inner richmond balboa and fourth get yourself the burger get the cowboy burger get the spicy burger you want to just go plain jane burger you do that too but I strongly suggest to complement that burger, you order the lumpia and you get the onion rings that go along with it. Those are my two favorite sides in that order. Normally, onion rings outranks everything in terms of side for my burger. Lumpia. Get the lumpia at onion. Uh, get the lumpia at onion rings. Get the lumpia at Uncle Boy's. And uh, as always, we suggest you wash it all down. With not a bottle, I don't want you to drink a bottle of blackened, but how about a little cup? How about a little something in your cocktail? How about a little whiskey neat on a Friday night? You want to do it with a rock in it? You go right ahead. Blackened whiskey is absolutely delicious. And my pal Charles is going to be bringing some swag to give away at our Plus Mania event at Victory Hall tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be serving up some blackened as well. Special cocktails have been requested and will be honored by my friend Waylon, who is the GM, 
So let me just tell you, when you come through Victory Hall tomorrow, tip generously, take care of them because they're taking care of us. Support my sponsors. Support me by supporting my sponsors and those who are working hard on behalf of the plus, if you would, please. Uh, one note, just because I saw it only a few minutes before we came on air. Uh, it, it, look, I, I, I don't want to give you a single other breathless report about quarterback completion percentages. That's well said all week long. I'm telling you, if everyone walks off the practice field, especially with the pads are on and, and guys popping each other, if everyone walks off the field healthy, it was just a great goddamn day at training camp. I don't care if Brock Purdy took an 0 for 25 throwing the football. Brock Purdy finishes the day uninjured. He had a great day at training camp. Um. And this is uh, all, all quarterbacks, by the way, all four of them are working today. So it's a big quarterback day down at camp. Um, I did see this, though, from Mina Kimes. And this just sort of lets you know that the secret sauce of what the 49ers do offensively really doesn't lie in that quarterback position as much as it does on other teams. The secret sauce for this offense is giving Kyle the skeleton key that is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey opens up offense and changes defenses maybe more than most quarterbacks had in the league last year, and she's got the numbers to prove it. Mina shared that from weeks one through eight, the 49ers faced man coverage on just 36% of their dropbacks. In other words, whether it was Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy was having a fine year last year, teams weren't really afraid of him. They were just going to sit back in zone, eliminate the concept of a big play for a team that's not even looking to make big plays. Everything happens underneath. It was just simply contain it all underneath. That's the easiest way to defend the 49ers. So then all of a sudden, they trade for Christian McCaffrey. And from that point on, you had quarterback, whoever he was, Brock Purdy, mostly, destroying the league. Weeks 9 through 18, the percentage of man-to-man -man coverage that 49ers quarterbacks saw was 48.4%. That is the fifth most in all of football. So again, from second to lowest, without Christian McCaffrey, you add Christian McCaffrey, and now all of a sudden, the fifth most man coverage is being thrown at you because that's how much attention you got to pay to that guy. From the, that point on, Christian McCaffrey added... Brock Purdy rises, and what do you know? From that point on, from week nine to the end of the regular season, the 49ers were number one in QB rating, first in yards per attempt, and second in estimated points per attempt. That's pretty impressive. So stay healthy, Christian McCaffrey. Keep everyone healthy throughout today and the rest of training camp. Keep everybody healthy in the preseason, and Congratulations to the 49ers. They don't have to go to Canton, Ohio to play on rubber pellet melting uh, lights out plumbing doesn't work Hall of Fame field. They get to go to Allegiant Stadium to open up their preseason schedule. What is that next weekend? Man, it's coming fast, right? Things are coming. To, is it next weekend or the weekend after? I got to open up a calendar. I really don't care right now, um, but it's coming. It's absolutely coming. And we all know that. Um, I love college football. 
even though I've been abused for years by this college football program, which is why I will be turning to the dark side and adopting USC as my Big Ten team as soon as they enter the conference in 2024. Um, but I'm, I'm not very proud of USC today, though. And, and no one should be proud of USC or UCLA today, especially if you're a fan of the Pac-12. Now, it's not just their fault things are falling apart, but boy, they're the big dominoes to start the process, which is just going to leave devastation in its wake. And today we're getting um, uh, an awful lot of uh, noise. Let's just call it noise because no one really knows what to believe about all the rumors of Oregon and Washington. Uh, they're slowing down the role of joining the Big Ten. They're expediting the role of joining the Big Ten. They're going to look and see and maybe weigh their options. It's not happening now. Maybe the Big Ten cooled down on it. Maybe the Pacific Northwest schools have cooled down on it. There are an awful lot of mixed messages. I saw Nicole Auerbach, who's one of the best at covering college football for The Athletic, basically say, I need a cup of coffee because the story is changing every 30 minutes. She's like, I've never seen conference realignment, news information, wrong information, correct information being thrown to the public as often as it's getting thrown there right now. Excuse me. I got to turn this space heater off. It's a little cold in the basement. Look, there's just, there's no doubt in my mind that to approach college football at any point in time going forward and pretend it's an amateur sport is just ridiculous. College football, I mean, based on what we saw at the Hall of Fame, you, I mean, you won't see what happened at the Hall of Fame. Lights going out and plumbing not working in the locker rooms on any major college football campus all year. It's to the point where college football is a billion percent a professional sport and is being treated so by the networks that also air professional sports. It's a professional sport masquerading as as the word college. And that's what it is. It's a masquerade because there's none of this. There is not a single decision that major college football is making based on the sport, the kids that are playing it, fans, tradition, schools, family, rivalry. None of that matters. Every The foundation on which the entire sport was built is now not only secondary, it's borderline irrelevant when you're looking at some of these proposals of conference realignment that are being put together. College football is nothing more than a bundled TV entertainment package. It's the equivalent of, oh, uh, the, the office is now only available on Peacock. All right, well, I guess I, I got to get Peacock. Because I like the to watch Office reruns, even though they're on Comedy Central for an eight-hour block almost every day. Got to see it on peak. I, I got to get Hulu. Got to get Netflix. Got to get HBO Max. That's that's what college football is. It's 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 television programming bundling. That's what's going on right now. Um, I saw a plight of a Washington State fan. It was shared. It was originally a post on Reddit, and it got shared. And essentially, you know, the plight of this this you this university of 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 Washington State University, WSU, not not Wazoo, baby. We're not talking about the Huskies. We're talking about the Cougs. And the plight of this fan, it really it spoke to me. 
He's basically saying, you know, because of USC and UCLA, and they saw more money elsewhere, everyone left behind is just getting turned upside down. And remember, the Pac-12 was the conference that used to sell you on it's not just football and basketball. Like, the Pac-12 conference did more to create the illusion that they really gave a flying shit about women's volleyball than any other conference in America. Well, obviously, caring about women's volleyball is no longer a priority for a single athletic department that is leaving, and it's about to be no priority for a lot of athletic departments that's staying. Basically, the Reddit post reads, you know, the only thing that the Cougars are guilty of is being in a small town, a small town that network executives have deemed in a boardroom unworthy of consideration based on the gravity of the market. And even though, I guess the Cougs pull in some of the single best local ratings. I mean, think about it. The Washington State Cougars are not a very big piece of the sports pie in America, but in Pullman, they're the New York Yankees. They're the, the only show in town. And people tune into that show generationally for decades in droves. The, the, the city shuts down for football games. You know, it might not be a big deal to the world, but it's a big deal to them. And they've just been told, you know, you're not a big deal. You might be going to the Mountain West, for goodness sakes, if the Pac-12 really were to disintegrate. And maybe the Mountain West and Washington State would actually be good partners together. But the point that the guy also made is, you know, Larry Scott told everybody about a decade ago that the money was going to be printed and flown in. So you had an athletic department say, all right, well, we got an annual budget now, 30-something million dollars. Build, redo the stadium, new facilities, new practice, new everything. And so they got deep into debt. And now instead of, you know, looking at a $30 million a year payout as a Pac-12 school, maybe Maybe they're going to be looking at four or five million from the Mountain West. That is going to be devastating to the entirety of the campus, not just the athletic department. It's going to devastate the entire university. And it sucks. It sucks. Pat Forty, who was a great writer. Sports Illustrated was thinking about this, thinking about this through the prism, not of Washington State, like the, the Reddit post I was just talking about, but through just the Huskies. Like, let's say the Huskies really do join the Big Ten. The Huskies in Oregon, they join the Big Ten. And Pat Forty writes, where does it end? Where does it all end? Nobody knows. But eventually, if the Washington Huskies are making their fifth trip east of the fall on the way to end their regular season in College Park, Maryland to play the Terps, instead of, you know, going to Pullman for the Apple Cup, there's going to be a reckoning. The, ex the existential question, how did we get here? What are we doing? Why did we let this escalate beyond all reason? There's not enough money to get those questions to just disappear. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The merry-go-round will stop spinning at some point, and people are going to be like, what did we do? And why did we do it? And the answer will be money and greed. 
That's it. That's it. College football decided the most important way to measure success was a war chest that you get to put together with media rights revenue. And if you got less than the next guy, you either try to get a piece of their pie or you try to get baked into their pie. 40 continues. The school presidents, athletic directors, and conference commissioners all should be ashamed of their role in tearing asunder the fabric of college sports, but they're too busy taking orders from TV partners and counting the resulting revenue. Yet and still, there is nobody looking out for the greater good of the entire enterprise, nobody willing to throw on the brakes and slow down the gravy train. It really is a microcosm of what America looks like from so many different angles. You, you got a political party that could give a rip about the good of the country. They're just looking to hold on to their own power and they're ready, ready to, you know, chug orange cock to this day in the name of, we think this clear fucking criminal is going to be able to put us back in power. So, Democracy be damned, soul of the country be damned, soul of my own soul be damned. I am willing to rape all that is good and right in the world in the name of we're back in power. And that's what this is starting to look like. That's what college football is really starting to look like. Few get rich unbelievably wealthy the rest of you can all fucking die penniless and hungry and that's not just the very 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 poor we're talking about the middle class too all of you you hard-working people fuck off that's what america is these days and that's what college football is starting to look like you know there's a big mixed bag of reporting about Washington and Oregon, Big Ten balking at the revenue share based on they don't think these colleges have a big enough footprint. They don't want to travel. They're doing the math on the travel and what that's going to cost. And is it now worth it? Is the is the juice worth the squeeze? Um, uh, eventually, uh, people are not going to be signing up to watch Washington play Rutgers. So why do we have to give that to the world? No one's asking for it. Um, another report says the schools are the ones cooling on the deal. It's the conference. It's the schools. Another report says everything is paused right now because people are renegotiating. The back 12 is their Apple deal, which they thought they had and then fell apart. And then it's just, it's just, again, none of it is anything to do with football players. Have you heard a single college football players name yet this year or just conference realignment? Cause that's all I hear. That's all I hear. Because it's all that matters. And that's wrong. It really is. It's wrong. John Orand of Sports Business Journal is looking at this very fluid situation. And he wrote, the Pac-12's difficulties in securing a media deal should terrorize, terrify any small to mid-sized league or sports conference. The message from traditional TV networks is clear. They're not going to break the bank for programming they see as non-essential. This, this is not the case of a popping bubble. Haves and have-nots. That's what we're separating into. Not the good, even good luck with that. 
You're in, you're out. That's what we're going towards. And what I've also seen brought up is anything you think today that is going to set the ground for the next 30, 40, 50 years of what college football and sports looks like is out of their minds. Because let me tell you what's coming. The complete and utter collapse of ESPN. The collapse of ESPN as the cable network as you know it is going to be served up in the next four to five years where they're going to be off linear cable and served up to you direct to consumer, like an app, like Netflix. ESPN will be an app. What are you going to do then? Because... ESPN Homes. Listen to this precipitous drop. This is something else. This is from Sports TV Ratings, who I follow on on Twitter. And they're trying to estimate, like, when will the ESPN bundle, as it's offered right now, drop to 50 million homes in America? And then you're just going to go direct to consumer when that happens. So you go back to July of 2011. ESPN was in 100 million homes on cable television. Fast forward a few years to July of 2015, when cord cutting really officially became part of the lexicon of how people are going about getting their entertainment in their living room. And it dropped to 93 million. And then come April of 2019, now you're down to around 85 million. So you went from 100 million in 2011 to just eight years, you are down 15 million households because of cord cutting. So you're down 15 million over an eight-year period. Now let's fast forward to just this year alone. Just this year alone, January, ESPN found itself in 74.153 million homes. So 74 million homes and change. Come February, so a month after that, it's 74 million homes and less change. After that, it's 73.8. In April, it's 73.3. In May, it falls to 72.8. In June, it falls to 72.495 million homes. In July, it's down to 71. And now, after August, down 71.321 million homes. So you went down 18 million over an eight-year period leading up to this year. And in this year alone, you're down 3 million homes in just the last eight months. Once this new world of throwing around TV money in the last existing phase of linear television, once this bucket of cash dries up, wait until everyone comes back to the bank that they think these TV networks have been for them and the bank's out of money. Like if you're asking, how could this all totally fall apart? This is how it all totally falls apart. Oh, you thought you had a budget of $30 million. Guess what? You're in the Mountain West now, so it's four and a half. Good luck. You have to run every single one of your programs with a four and a half million dollar budget. Uniforms, facilities, everything. Travel, everything. Good luck with that. 
I mean, I, we're, 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 how, how far away are we from presidents basically saying, yeah, we're done with Title IX. We can't even afford women's sports anymore. And like, we love you ladies. We really do. But your women's field hockey team is costing us more than $100,000 a year, which means you got to die today. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because if there's one thing that we do know, it's that keeping the faucet of cash running is the only priority. So basically, women's college athletics, fuck off. It's going to happen. No, it won't because Title IX has been baked. Believe me, there are enough powers that be to undo anything. We're looking at it in real time everywhere we look. You know, well, what about women's and Title IX? Look, they took abortion away from you, ladies. Title IX is not, you know, untouchable. It's sick. This is the time of year where I want to get excited about college sports. This is the time of the year where I really want to get excited about college football season coming. And college football season always beats the NFL into the door. And I love it. I love week zero. Before we even get to week one, give me a week zero. I love it coming back. And the whole thing is just kind of gross. It's kind of gross. And it's too bad. And it's antithetical to everything we always knew was supposed to matter. Everything they spent the last century selling you as the reason why it all mattered, the minute money became the biggest voice in the room, turns out none of it mattered. Look, just one last story about college football, and it's the fact that if you want you know, to, to see somebody giving away the game in real time, did you see the Florida State University is working with J.P. Morgan Chase to explore how the school's athletic department could raise capital from institutional funds such as private equity? Let me tell you, private equity will literally have kids' scholarships yanked mid-game. If it means a more profitable quarter, I don't mean like quarter of the game. I mean, financial quarter. Private equity cares about one thing, making more money today than it made yesterday. That's it. Beg, borrow, kill, steal, doesn't matter. More money in tomorrow than we made today is the only rule of that universe. I mean, just the thought of it, just Florida State saying, yeah, we're looking into private equity to start maybe raising funds and capital for us. That gives up the entire game. Just that just thinking and saying that out loud gives up the entire game. College football players are employees. Nothing else. Something I love. It's just being screwed with and I hate it. I hate it. And you can really, you can measure how the entire United States of America is functioning and working these days just by looking through what's happening to the Pac-12. UCLA, USC, yeah, you're Lamborghinis, you're millionaires, billionaires, so you can come and you, you, you can come on into the VIP room. The rest of you losers. Good luck with your futures, whatever it might lie, wherever it might lie. We, we really don't care. We really don't care. The guys driving the Lamborghinis couldn't give a fuck about a single person driving a Toyota Camry. And guess what, Washington State? You're a Toyota Camry. Pissing me off really is. 
All right, let's work a little more locally than all that and talk a little bit of baseball here for just a second. You know, the Giants, give them credit. They keep cobbling wins together. And and it's to the point where, you know, you take three out of four against Arizona and you do it in uh, less than stellar fat with two hits, one run, and a win last night for the Giants. Um, They keep cobbling wins together, though, in a way that makes that deadline inactivity like more depressing in my eyes. So, like, you can tell me all about... Uh, what the future might hold for the San Francisco Giants, and you can't give up anything now because the future, the future, the future, the future, the future, the future, and the future, and the future, and the future, and the... Shut up! Everyone on your team, every old guy, young guy, might forget how to play baseball next year. It happens all the time. Trey Turner went from, I can play baseball better than anyone, to, I can't hit the ball out of the infield. We see pitchers go from, I'm a Cy Young candidate, to, I'm DFA'd. Baseball comes and goes. So when it's coming, you you better be receptive that it's here because it could vanish tomorrow. You know when I think the Giants should kind of go for it? The Giants should go for it when, I don't know, when they've got somewhere around the third most wins in the National League. Like that's a sign to go for it, don't you think? Third most wins in your league. It feels like a little bit of a go-for-it time. Um, How about a team that is allowing, like, I don't know, like the eighth fewest runs in all baseball? If they can do that in the future, like, that would be an indication. Like, hey, we we don't give up runs, man. We're we're hard to score against. You know, when, when we score four runs or more, we're 50 and 13. We're really good when we score because we hardly give up that many runs. So maybe when that's happening... You might think about going for it. Um, How about when there's a sample of this team over the course of months, say since June 1st, you'd have the, I don't know, the, the, the third best record in all of baseball. So like when that happens in the future, I guess that would be a time to go for it. But guess what? That's not the future. That's right now. That's right now. I look at the Giants as an assembled baseball team and as a group photo but the group photo doesn't matter. The star power, I guess, doesn't matter because guess what? They have the third most wins in the National League right now. They've got the third best record in all of baseball since June 1st. They're one game behind the Phillies and three games behind the Braves. For the best record in baseball since June 1st, They've allowed the eighth fewest runs in all of Major League Baseball, and they've done it with, like, basically devoid of star power. And come the postseason, you can't really be dicking around with bullpen games. Stars shine in the postseason. You should have added at least one more pitcher. Or not left it up to, yeah, we're going to call up either Carson Wisenhunt or you know Kyle Harrison, and we're just going to expect them from day one in the major leagues to, 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 to pitch like Cy Young candidates, to be Madison Bumgarner, Tim Lincecum reincarnate. Even though when those guys were brought in, they weren't under a lot of pressure because the Giants weren't doing much. But hey, guy, welcome to your major league debut. We're going to need you to start postseason games. Huh? They should have traded something for at least another pitcher because they have cobbled the third most wins in the National League, the third best record in baseball since June 1st, allowing the eighth fewest runs in all of baseball. They've cobbled that together with a two-man rotation, essentially. 
It's Cobb and Webb, Webb and Cobb, and then good luck with that. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. It's a two-man rotation, a really good bullpen who's throwing so many bullpen innings to start games and do all this that, that, that you want to, how, how do you tire out a bullpen before you get to the postseason? Well, depend on nine of those guys to start for you or open or whatever we're calling it these days. And they're doing it with one of the best closers in baseball. The Giants are playing essentially eight inning games. Uh, I, I heard Farhan on KNBR. He was saying how, you know, bullpenning games has gone really well for the team. And, you know, and it has. But that's the regular season. <laughs> you need more than that in the postseason. You, you can trust Uncle Damon on that one. You just trust him. Um, and, and I was thinking a little bit more about this, too. Maybe this isn't the right place for this segment, but, you know, if, if I were uh, in the players' union, a pitcher specifically, a starting pitcher specifically, um, the, the whole concept of an opener would, would just infuriate me. Like, there's one thing I'm sure of is that there's always another motivation behind whatever you're looking at. Like, sure, They've had a lot of success by asking an opener to give them, you know, around three innings before they go into the rest of the game. And now you're seeing Manaya, and now you're seeing Stripling. And for a couple of innings, these guys can hold it down. Uh, you know, once through the lineup is all we really want to give them, which is the way you're treating an opener, basically. You're saying get through the lineup once, and then we're going to hand it to somebody else, and nobody's seeing the same pitcher more than twice in a game. That's kind of the concept behind it. But to me, it's more sinister than that, just a little. Because if there's one thing that I do know about baseball is even with all the money it prints, they're still cheap bastards in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I think the entire world of baseball just looked at the Mets adding Scherzer and Verlander and giving basically the two of them like $100 million between the two, and then that blows up. And, and teams don't want to be paying starting pitchers $100 million to have it not work. Again, baseball, for no reason at all, can be here one day, gone the next. Hey, today you're an all-star. Tomorrow you suck. It's just the way the sport works. If I were in the union, I would want to have an uprising in just the concept of an opener if I were a pitcher. I, I would I would want I would want it to be a major talking point in the next labor agreement that this opener bullshit's gotta stop. You know, it's it's gotta stop. And there's too many teams having success with it, and they can have success with it on a budget, which means there's no stopping it. But the players' union is the most powerful union in America, so maybe they can get a little jingle jangle um, and, and angry and, and get it done. I don't know. But to me, along with being successful for the Giants in the regular season, you know what it also is? It's an inning suppressor. It's a start suppressor. It's a statistics suppressor. And if you're a pitcher, you're going to get paid more or less money based on innings, starts, and success, right? I mean, that's how you're evaluated, well, we see that you only were named the winning pitcher in the decision eight times last year. Be like, yeah, well, I only started 14 games because they had an opener going in half of my games. So I, you know, I only started a few amount. Of, like to me, it cheapens the value of starters that I can't believe that there's not already buzz in the union about, well, this can't happen. We can't keep this shit up. You know, the the basically the totally feckless, powerless NFL players union 
has running backs saying, we should strike, we should do something. And that's never going to happen because that union has zero power whatsoever. They've got no leverage. They haven't figured out how to use it. Can't say the same about the Major League Players Union. Am I calling for another strike for starting pitchers? No, I'm not. But something's going to give, man. Believe me, something's going to give. Giants are off today. There are two games with the A's uh, in Oakland starting Saturday at 4.07. Join me, the family, and the entire Plus chat room. I see so many people have signed up to come, and I can't wait to see you there. We're going to be at Victory Hall starting around 3 o'clock. Come on by, watch some baseball, and enjoy some company of some like-minded sports fans indeed. And then after that, after the two games against the A's, um, the uh, Giants are going down to take on Otani and the Angels in Anaheim. And come Wednesday, the Giants are going to face Otani, who is scheduled to start on Wednesday. He also hit his major league leading 40th home run of the season last night. God, he's unbelievable. Guy's unbelievable. Really is. Um, a story that here, here's how we're wrapping up today's show before we hop into club plus. Okay. Cause this is a story that I saw earlier in the week and I'm like, I, I think I'm saving that for Friday because <laughs> it's a Friday story. If there ever was one, um, have you seen, this is hard to believe that Lizzo and I want to go on the record right now. I really like Lizzo. She is good. She is talented. She can sing. She plays that flute like Jethro Tull. She's she's good. Lizzo is good. I tried to get, I, I wanted to get my wife and I Lizzo tickets, but they were a little too expensive when she came through Chase Center. I like Lizzo. I'm not dropping a grand on Lizzo. I like her, but I don't love her. Not not for not for a grand. Um anyway. How do I say this delicately? Actually, here's the thing. Um, It's my channel. I don't need to say anything delicately anymore. Lizzo is the fattest fucking pop star of all time. You know, body image, body conscious. Am I fat shaming? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm fact producing. Lizzo, outside of who? Mama Cass or Aretha in her 70s? Lizzo is officially the fattest, successful, beloved pop star of modern times. That's for sure. And that's who she is. And that's cool. And she said, this is so cool. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to surround myself with all these stick figure dancers. I'm going to have other big girls up here dancing with me. And you'd think for the... Dancing, gifted, fat girls trying to be in a kick line, they'd be appreciative of that, but uh, I guess appreciation has a, uh, a price point, and if a lawyer can find it, you will sue. Lizzo is being sued by a few of her backup dancers for fat-shaming them and making them uncomfortable. Okay, Lizzo getting accused of fat-shaming. I mean, that's rich, isn't it? That's... Mwah, chef's kiss. Really? Really? Lizzo is fat shaming? That's that's real? I don't think so. You want to know why I don't think so? I got eyes. 
and I can't help but see the, you know, I mean, what's, what's uh, the, the name of her backup dancer should be called Tons of Fun. Lizzo, big girl, surrounded by Tons of Fun, and she's the shamer? Come on. Let's be totally honest. But for Lizzo, none of you fat chicks got a job dancing anywhere. The lawsuit claims that the backup dancers were weight shamed and pressured to join a party at a strip club in Amsterdam. You bitches wouldn't have lasted 30 seconds on a Madonna tour. First of all, Madonna would have been like fat, 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 fat out. And then she would have said, oh, so in order to be uh, on Madonna tour, I'm going to need you to give a blowjob to a bottle of Avion water just to prove that you are down with hanging out. Dude, it's rock and roll. It's music. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. There'll be all sorts of weird, perverted sexual acts, especially happening in a strip club in Amsterdam. Go to a strip club in Amsterdam. You'll see some shit you can't forget. Believe me. NBC News. <laughs> Three of Lizzo's former dancers have accused the soul singer of sexual harassment and creating a hostile work environment in a lawsuit filed this week. The dancers accuse Lizzo of a performer known for embracing body positivity and celebrating her physique, which is a really nice way of saying she fat and she proud, calling attention to one, to one dancer's weight gain and later berating then firing that dancer after she recorded a meeting because of a health condition. Again, lady, you're so fat, you're having, you have a health condition dancing behind me? Maybe that's why you can't be on the dance team anymore. You know, sometimes when you get fired, that's just all that happened is because you suck. No one wants to be around you anymore. You know what I would think if, if I were, a, so I'm Lizzo, okay? I'm Lizzo. I'm a big girl. I'm out there on stage with other big girls. One of my rules would be none of you girls can be bigger than me. Like you can't out fat Lizzo and expect to work for Lizzo, right? Right? The suit also accuses the captain of Lizzo's dance team of proselytizing to other performers and deriding those who had premarital sex while sharing lewd sexual fantasies, simulating oral sex, and publicly discussing the virginity of one of the girls. Prudes in rock and roll. Find me something worse than that. generation is soft as shit Gen literally you're allowed to be nearly as fat as you want to and have a career as a backup dancer and you're not pressured to go to strip clubs in amsterdam but again those who hang out probably do get preferential treatment so you know maybe you do maybe here's the thing if you're worried about um Strip clubs in Amsterdam, don't hop on Lizzo tour to be a fat backup dancer and then sue her. What the, dude, 
Like, did you see what the job application was? The job application was big girl. Hey, I mean, that's literally the job title. Hey, big girl. We're having fun out on Lizzo tour. You get the job of your life. You're literally, you're allowed to be an entertainer and eat a full rack of ribs three times a day. And that's not good enough for you. Shameful ass shit. It really is shameful. So there we go. There's today's show. <laughs> I just, I saw that story. I'm like, are you kidding me? Lizzo's being accused of fat shaming. That's the equivalent of uh, what? What was the what is the equivalent of Lizzo being accused of fat shaming? It would be like what? A, a, a race car pulling over a cop for driving too fast? I don't I don't even know. What is the equivalent of I'm suing Lizzo for fat shaming? I should have thought of that before I even asked the question out loud. Maybe you can think of it. Maybe that's what we'll get into when we get into Club Blues here. But there you go. Then that's the show. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care uh, what extra weight you carry. If you come to hang out with us at Victory Hall, fat thin, happy, unhappy, healthy, unhealthy. I'm just looking forward to hanging out with you. And believe me, you might hear or see some shit that is uncomfortable. And if any of that happens, leave. But I hope you have some really good fun hanging out with us. The equivalent of suing Lizzo for fat shaming would be the equivalent of showing up to Plus Mania and then trying to sue me for thanking our viewers and listeners for all the support. What are we doing? Thank you so much. If you're just listening to the podcast today, it means a lot. The Trace Jackson Davis interview, once it goes live, will be put up on podcast as well. So you'll have two podcast today the one you're listening to right now and the trace jackson davis one that comes up the debut the premiere of the trace jackson davis exclusive interview here on the blues is it 3 30 west coast time 6 30 east coast time and then it'll be posted on uh, uh, uh we're uh, everywhere that you download the the podcast thank you so much for listening thank you for being involved all week long those of you who are hanging out now in the dog days of the year, I see you all. I know your names, and it means an awful lot. I will never forget who you are supporting me, your fat Lizzo. That's what I am. I'm fat Lizzo. I, I wish I were fat Lizzo. That girl's got talent. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.